Hello and welcome to Let the Boys Watch Football, a fantasy football strategy and advice podcast. I am your host, Alex Howard, and today we will be breaking down the first week of NFL football. Football is finally back. Let's freaking go. I'm excited and uh, wanted to just go over every game, uh, what I find interesting and uh, what I what I think we should be looking for in the first week of matchups. But first, wanted to quickly touch on uh, the first game of the NFL season, the Chiefs versus Lions. Lions beating the Chiefs in Kansas City, 21-20. to The first thing that jumped out at me, of course, there's the obvious. Travis Kelsey not being able to play and uh, Chris Jones not being able to play was clearly a, a detriment to the team and, and hurt them greatly uh, outside of Patrick Mahomes. You have the MVP of the offense and the MVP of the defense. Chris Jones is a game wrecker on defense, and without him, the defense is pretty ordinary. Kind of the same with Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, to some extent, is that game wrecker on offense. When you need a big play, he's right there for it. Uh, They didn't have anybody last night anywhere close to that, and it showed. Um, One of the things that really jumped out to me, without Travis Kelsey on the field, uh, the skill position players on the two opposing sides could not have looked any more mismatched. I look at David Montgomery for the Lions and compare him with Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And Montgomery, I would take 10 times out of 10 over both or either of those guys. I think it really came down to Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, they didn't have the juice. They didn't have kind of the the dependability that David Montgomery seemed to give the Lions. It wasn't even necessarily an exceptional game from David Montgomery. Just the reliability of getting you the consistent yards, not wasting any movement, not wasting any effort, and uh, and moving the ball seemed much more, I'll go back to it, reliable than what Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Alaire gave, gave you for the Chiefs. Jameer Gibbs, I've seen disappointment that he wasn't utilized more, but this is pretty normal. Uh, For a rookie, um, they're going to use him in creative ways, but Thursday night was all about getting that win, right? The Lions are actually a real team now who expect to win big games. This was a good test for them right out of the gate. As it applies to Jameer Gibbs, uh, he's a rookie. Um, They clearly showed that they were able to win the game with a more conservative play call with with a more conservative strategy but throughout the course of the season they're just going to utilize Gibbs more and more in the time that he was in the game he looked he looked very good Uh, he had those flashes there was the one play where Jameer Gibbs uh, gets the ball on a handoff to the right he makes a cut and slips and falls so he gets a few yards out of it if he didn't slip and fall, I, he was wide open. He was he was headed for the end zone. So it's all there. He's going to be real good. He's going to get more and more work. And uh, when you compare him to the skill position players for the for the Chiefs, I think the most comparable players are Sky Moore, kind of a gadgety wide receiver, and Jarek McKinnon, kind of a pass catching running back. And I would take uh, Jameer Gibbs over the combination of Sky Moore and McKinnon all day, every day. And then at the receiver position, Amon Ross St. Brown, he looked, he looked amazing. He looked as good as I hoped he would. 
And when you compare them to the Chiefs receivers, they don't even have Juju Smith-Schuster, um, who was a reliable receiver for them last year. Nothing special, nothing flashy, but without Travis Kelsey, it was just so apparent that the wide receivers for the Chiefs are just not going to get it done for Mahomes this year. Mahomes is going to make things happen, and when Travis Kelsey gets back, he should be fine. But um, when you're just looking at the comparison between Amon Ross St. Brown and every other receiver for the Chiefs, it's a pretty stark difference. Even Josh Reynolds, um, Josh Reynolds is the second or third receiver on the on the Lions. I think if he goes over to the Chiefs, um, he is by far and away their best receiver. He looked better than anybody the Chiefs had. So, so those were my primary takeaways from the game. If anything, if you're looking at Kansas City and, and trying to look for a potential wide receiver to grab, I would say it's the rookie, Rasheed Rice. He did end up having some catches, which is more than some of their receivers can say with all the drops they had. But um, he had some catches. He had a touchdown. And if anything, I'm not I'm not saying that Rasheed Rice might be a world-beating talent, but in this offense, if he becomes the second most reliable receiver for Patrick Mahomes, he might actually end up being a very startable player throughout the course of the season. If you can get him cheap, it might be worth uh, a speculative ad of Rasheed Rice to your team, just in case he emerges as the number two option for Patrick Mahomes. Outside of that, it is good to see that the Lions are a legit team. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are still the two-man show in Kansas City, and uh, and we're on to preview the upcoming slate, the Sunday and Monday slate of NFL football games. Let's go. So I was thinking about how I was going to go about previewing NFL games uh, week to week. I, I feel like every podcast I, I listen to kind of has their gimmicks. Um, it may be, hey, we're going to uh, pick pick a winner. We're going to pick uh, this team against the spread, or we're going to pick this team money line, or we're going to pick all the games money line, or all of them against the spread, or you know, we're going to tell you which game we like the most for the over-under. Really, for me, I, I'm ADD enough that uh, I, I don't necessarily want to stick to an exact, at least for now, format and put rules on it. I'm going to talk about each game. I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for and what I think is interesting about each game and give you some opinions along along the way. Uh, what we really want to do is we want to we want to identify and, and predict what we think is going to happen throughout the course of the season for each of these teams. And we do that on a week-to-week basis. So we want to be able to have a good feel for how these teams are doing, which players they utilize, and which players help them win, and how that relates to fantasy football so that we can use that knowledge to to make ourselves better fantasy football players and ultimately smarter fantasy football players than the rest of our of our leagues. We'll be talking about players and we'll see how it goes. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do it differently next time around. I don't know. We're still we're still experimenting over here. So first on my list and really in no exact order, uh, I have the the Dolphins Chargers. Um, so the Dolphins and Chargers face off for the second time in the Tua. Herbert era. And so just for context, um, 
in 2020, uh, it, Joe Burrow was selected number one out of LSU in the in the NFL draft. Tua Tagovailoa was drafted number five overall by the Dolphins, and Justin Herbert was drafted number six immediately after Tua by the Los Angeles Chargers. And this is coming off the back of the whole the whole season before, and actually for a couple of seasons. Tua Tagovailoa was this highly touted prospect. He was thought to be the next great NFL quarterback prospect coming out of college. And if you remember, there there was even kind of the whole tank for Tua thing where teams were getting suspected of, uh, of throwing their season so that they would have a higher draft spot in order to draft Tua because that's how much hype there was around this player. And then as the draft uh, began, and even in the days leading up to the draft, there, there was starting to be talk that the Dolphins at number five, who were expected to draft Tua, were also looking and interested in Justin Herbert. Um, they made comments to the effect of whoever we get at that spot you know, we'd be fine with. And so that was kind of interesting. After a year plus of tank for Tua, um, now we're hearing, okay, they're kind of indifferent. Maybe they would take this Justin Herbert guy. They end up dra- drafting Tua, and the Chargers one pick later take Herbert. And it was interesting to see shortly shortly after, uh, in the very next season, Tua's on the bench. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick was starting for the Dolphins. And Justin Herbert came in in kind of a weird circumstance when uh, Tyrod Taylor was was poked with a needle in his lung by by the training staff. And very last minute, I think it was around week five, something like that, fairly early in the Chargers season, uh, Justin Herbert all of a sudden is in the game. And it's only because Tyrod Taylor, the starting quarterback, got poked in the chest, in, in the lung, by a needle, by the training staff. So there was confusion. There was questions about why he's in the game, and, and uh, they got answered pretty quickly. But really, there was no looking back from there. Justin Herbert has looked like one of the best quarterbacks since since that time. It's been a question of when can the team come together and they can complete the the vision because every every franchise wants what the Chargers have with Justin Herbert. A couple franchises are in an even better situation with Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow, maybe a couple others, but but really Herbert is one of the best young quarterbacks that we have. Now, Tua last year had his best chance to start a full season um, under an offensive coach, Mike McDaniel, uh, who really uh, gives Tua a better shot to showcase his skill sets. Um, under the previous head coach, Brian Flores, he really didn't have as much of an opportunity to to showcase what he could do because the coaching, the play calling, isn't geared towards offensive production. When when you have a defensive head coach, it's really more constrictive. It's more about controlling the pace of play and being sturdy on defense and conservative on offense. But then when you get a coach like Mike McDaniel, he wants to be high flying. He wants to spread the ball around and score a lot of points, make it hard for the other team to keep up. This year, the Dolphins also have Vic Vangio, 
one of the legendary defensive coaches to run their defense. And the combination of a legendary defensive coach along with an up-and-coming innovative offensive coach in McDaniel uh, really gives them a chance to complete the picture themselves and, and give to a chance to ascend to another level. Now, injury is, of course, the risk or the worry with, with Tua Tagovailoa. If you remember from last season, uh, the concussions, he had several, at least two or three, and they were scary-looking concussions. Um, not something we, we want to see again. We, of course, hope that he has good injury luck this year. But in week one, um, it'll be interesting to see these two go head-to-head. It'll only be the second time. The first time was in December of this last year, 2022, where the Chargers beat beat the Dolphins 23-17. to In that game, uh, Herbert had Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, all healthy and all uh, being productive. You may also remember this was the game where in the, in the second quarter, the Dolphins were down 10 to 0 and Jeff Wilson fumbles the ball. The ball kind of flies around uh, and it's sitting on the ground at one point and Tyreek Hill picks it up, runs around the whole team and and uh, scores a 55-yard touchdown. Yeah, hoping for hoping for a little more magic like that, but should be an entertaining game. Hopefully a lot of points. A uh, good one for fantasy football. If you have guys on either team, uh, definitely be playing them. Um, there should be a lot of points to go around, a lot of yards to go around. And uh, I expect this to be to be a fun one to watch. will definitely be one of the ones I'm focusing on this Sunday. All right, then we have Panthers-Falcons. Uh, Falcons are favored by three and a half points. And I'm going to call this the, the rookie watch game. So it'll be the, the debut of Bryce Young, uh, Panthers quarterback, who was drafted number one overall this year, and the highly anticipated debut of running back for the Falcons, Bijan Robinson. I'm incredibly excited to, to see what he does. I'm hoping for, for just a big first week. Let's put him on the map. I know he's already on the map. Let's see what he's got. I want to see, I want to see receptions. I want to see 100-plus rushing yards. I want to see two or more touchdowns. Why not? Let's go. First game, Bijan Robinson. Let's see what you got. This is the rookie watch game. So the Falcons are favored three and a half points. It's always tough uh, given that extra half a point just in case it ends in a field goal difference. But um, I I feel good enough. I'm going to bet on the Falcons minus three and a half for this game. I think that Bryce Young uh, may have a very great career, but first game out, I would expect that he's going to make some rookie mistakes. I think that if there's a prime suspect to have a rookie mistakes kind of game, it's probably Bryce Young. We could see a, a defensive touchdown turn turn it from a three point game to a ten point game, or a, you know a last second interception and then a field goal uh, to put him up four instead of one. You know I could definitely see something like that. So I think I'm going to bet on the Falcons minus three and a half for this game. Next up, the Packers play the Chicago Bears, and the Bears are favored by one and a half points. What I'm really looking for in this game, I'm looking for a couple things on the Packers side to see if they're to see if they're legit. I think I know where I stand on the Bears in terms of 
Justin Fields, I hear a lot of a lot of doubt about Justin Fields. I think he's going to be fine. I think that he's the best thing that the Bears have had in a while at the quarterback position. And I think that that allows him a little bit of patience, a little bit of a leash uh, to go out there and make plays and get the team moving in the right direction. So I'm not at all losing faith on Justin Fields. But if he has a subpar game, you know, I, I'm not going to overreact to that. Because, like I said, I think that he's the best thing the Bears have had at quarterback in quite some time. But the way I see this game from a betting perspective, I'm going to have to see the Bears prove it. And I think that the Packers technically own the Bears until we see otherwise. So the Packers are underdogs, one and a half points. And I, I like that. I'll probably just bet on the Packers money line. Take that plus sign, uh, you know, little better price and uh, I expect to see Aaron Jones get featured quite a bit early on in the season and honestly if you ended up with Aaron Jones I think that's probably a great great value um, wherever you drafted him and remember again Aaron Jones has been a top 12 running back the last four seasons in a row so yes he's getting a little bit older I believe he's 29 right now but what's there to, to make us think that Aaron Jones is not going to be one of the top 10 or 12 running backs in the NFL? There really isn't anything. And with a new quarterback, Jordan Love, he should just continue to get a good amount of work and, and have all the opportunity he needs. Which brings me to Jordan Love. I'm also going to be looking to see how he does. Um, you know, word out of camp is that actually they they like Jordan Love. Um, of course, they're going to say that, but I feel like I've heard enough to to convince me that that is truly how they feel. And whether they're right or wrong, I, I think um, it'll be interesting to see if he is a viable option for them or if they may be drafting high in the draft this year, looking for their next quarterback. Tough to say, but um, but that's what I'll be looking for in this game. Next up, we have the Browns. Versus the Bengals um, in Cleveland, the Browns are underdogs, two points. Um, so Browns plus two, and I'm going to call this my my home dog of the week. So uh, home team, that's the underdog, uh, pretty self-explanatory. But, but I do think that the Browns are going to be slept on a little bit early in the season. I heard something that I thought was pretty good. I it's interesting, you know, that um, the whole Deshaun Watson thing, obviously that's a weird, uncomfortable thing uh, for, for people to deal with him and whether they should, you know, support him in any way, shape, or form. Probably not, but it's interesting to think, like, uh, the Browns are so talented and there's a chance that they're just partially being overlooked because nobody really wants to talk about or acknowledge the Deshaun Watson thing which I understand that's completely reasonable, but I do think that they are going to be one of the, the most improved teams, especially on offense this year. And they have a pretty good defense and miles Garrett can single-handedly make them a good defense. So I like, I like Cleveland's chances at home this week. Joe Burrow still coming off that injured calf. Uh, he's just gotten back to practice and it's again, nothing against Burrow. Not that he can't do it, but uh, that is my home dog of the week. I'll be taking them plus two, maybe maybe money line as well. 
if you're looking for a backup home dog of the week, as pains me to say it, but you might be looking at Pittsburgh plus two versus the 49ers. Now I am a, an enormous 49ers fan and you know, of course they're going to win, but, uh, but listening to, to a lot of experts and it does make sense. Um, Mike Tomlin as a, as a home underdog is, has a ridiculous record, something, something in the neighborhood of like 15 and four, something like that. Um, but anyways, we could look that up, but, but, uh, great track record at home as an underdog. And there's also a lot of hype about Kenny Pickett and George Pickens and some of the offensive weapons, not to mention you've got TJ Watt on the other side. He's a game wrecker. It's just a, it's just a spot where, I don't know if the Niners would overlook the Steelers, but the Steelers might be much better than than people are thinking based on what they did last year, just based on what you're hearing out of camp. And now the Niners, you know, top to bottom, have one of, if not the best roster in the league, at least for their starters. But, you know, no one's saying they're necessarily going to go 17-0 and then and then straight shot to the, the Super Bowl. Um, there's probably going to be ups and downs along the way. And uh, according to some some analysts, uh, Pittsburgh plus two might be a decent bet for a home dog pick as well. Next up, we have Saints and Titans. And uh, out of all of the games this weekend, I think, yeah, I think I think this is the, the game that I, I least care about and least want to watch. But what I will be paying attention to, I've heard the Saints defense is good, and I'll be watching the game, or uh, let, let's not say watching the game, let's say I'll be watching the box score, if we're being honest. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll want to see if they pass this first test. Uh, Tennessee should be nothing special on offense. Really, if, if I had to guess where their offensive rank will be at the end of the year, I would say it would be probably about the 16th or 17th best offense. Um, and that might even be me being nice. Um, you know, they, they do have Hopkins, and so that's an upgrade to their receiver room, but their receiver room was nothing until he got there. So now they at least take the guy who was their top receiver, and now he's a number two receiver. That kind of makes the whole receiver room better, top to bottom. And then you've got Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears. So Tajay Spears, if he's available in your league, and if you can justify kind of a speculative, hey, we're going to hang on to this guy just to see if there's some magic there. I have heard Tajay Spears is looking and sounding like an elite type of running back. And this is just bits and pieces I've picked up here and there. But it's multiple very smart analysts that I've heard say that. And, of course, you have Derrick Henry. So I'm not saying he takes Derrick Henry's job right out of the gate or anything like that. But if Tajay Spears is as special as I've heard in a couple places, um, you know, they may work him in. And who knows, maybe he does have some breakaway touchdowns early in the year. And if Derrick Henry gets hurt at some point, from everything I've heard, it sounds like he's the kind of guy that they would immediately go to. No hesitation, no committee. This would be the guy. So, you know, I have him in one league. I would like to have him in multiple leagues. But, you know, if you're looking for a guy 
who let's say you have mediocre running backs now and you're saying, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I might stay afloat for the first part of the season, but if I want any chance of, of getting a title fantasy football championship, then I probably need to find the next guy, the next rookie running back who is going to pop. I think Tajay Spears might have as good a chance as any of the rookie running backs outside of Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson, but, but it sounds like they really like him and Derrick Henry's not getting any younger. So you might look at him there. Next up, we have the Jaguars versus the Colts. You know, I, I am not going to be too tied to the result in this game. What I want to see from this game, and I will be interested, is to see how the Jags' offensive players, uh, how they look. Are there flashes? Do we see Trevor Lawrence taking that next step in his progression? How does Calvin Ridley look? We haven't seen Calvin Ridley in a couple years, but let's not forget Calvin Ridley was... He was like a top five locked-in wide receiver last time we saw him play. And he looked good in camp. So if he returns to that, you know, I want to see signs that he is that same guy. And that'll inform how I move forward this year in fantasy football to say whether or not I can rely on him as a, a number one or a number two receiver. I'll be interested to see kind of what he, what he shows up as so we can, we can see where to go from there. So the Vikings are favored by five points versus the Buccaneers, and this is this is in Tampa Bay, and I think this is so. This is one of a few. I have several here, but kind of a fishy ass line of the week. I'm not really sure what we're gonna learn from this game. The Bucks should be a disaster of a team. The Vikings should be pretty good. I would think that the Vikings would be favored by more than five points. Because everything I've heard is is basically that the Bucks should be one of the worst teams in the league. Of course, Justin Jefferson. I'm most interested in Alexander Madison. Would love to see just how he performs. Um, first time being the the bona fide running back number one. Now that Dalvin Cook's no longer there, so I'll be interested to see that as well. For the other fishy ass lines of the week, I have the Commanders favored by seven versus the Cardinals. Um, the reason this is fishy, I I get it. It's a seven point seven point spread, but but at the same time, um, Josh Dobbs is starting for the Cardinals. He got on the team about two weeks ago, maybe less than two weeks ago, and he's going to start at quarterback for them. The backup being Clayton Toon, who is a rookie quarterback. That's besides the fact that the Cardinals are just not a very good team um, to start. So we've got. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who I have some doubts about just in general, being their number one wide receiver, but he's actually dinged up right now. I think he may play, but but I you know that doesn't necessarily give me that much confidence anyways. They have Michael Wilson, who's a, a rookie wide receiver for them, who's supposed to be the next up, and maybe he is good, but still not doing a whole lot for me. James Conner's reliable. He, he may be good. You may be able to start James Conner. But ultimately, I would start Commander's players if it makes sense within your roster. Wouldn't expect that they would have too much trouble scoring points against the Cardinals. And honestly, if I were to bet it, I would bet the Commander's minus seven. But I'm not going to because the line is way too fishy. And 
doesn't quite smell right. Um, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that one. Next fishy line, uh, we have Eagles minus four versus the Patriots. Now, I think I know what's happening here, but it's still fishy. So the Eagles, of course, the public's going to love the Eagles. We just saw an entire year of dominance from the Eagles. And I think it's reasonable to, to think that the Eagles are going to continue to dominate, especially if you're looking at the Patriots from last year and thinking about you know what they what they bring to the table. You'd say the Eagles from last year versus the Patriots from last year, no brainer. Eagles minus four, that's easy. But it, it does feel a little too easy. I also know that uh, some analysts and experts that I follow are really high on the Patriots this year. I personally am pretty high on the Patriots, and I don't even know exactly how they're going to do it, but I just feel like Bill Belichick, you know, he made a mistake last year bringing in a defensive guy as his offensive coach. He fixed that mistake with an offensive coordinator that I think is going to really help Mac Jones, and Belichick can go back to focusing on defense a bit more. I think the, the Patriots are going to be good this year. I don't know if they're good enough to, say, bet them against the Eagles, and I'm not going to. The line's way too fishy. It's weird. But besides the fishiness of the line, of course, there's a lot of a lot of really good fantasy options from this game. You're going to want to start Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, all from the Eagles. From the Patriots side, really only Ramondre Stevenson is, is someone who I'd be looking to, to play this week. Although, if you're in a deep league and... Hunter Henry ended up being your tight end. Um, he may be a viable start as well. I'm going to hold off on the other pass catchers from the Patriots until I see the improvement in the offense. Um, and then I may start to look at, say, Juju Smith-Schuster or Devontae Parker. But um, for right now, I'm going to hold on that. And I'm going to make him prove it before, before picking him up in fantasy or anything like that. But that should be an interesting game. And I think that the fishiness of the line uh, makes me think it'll be a closer game than maybe we might expect. Last fishy line of the week, I would say, is the Seahawks minus five against the Rams. So I guess the fishiness kind of kind of follows um, a similar trend. It's a team that looks on paper to be one of the very worst teams in the league. And the line is just not a big enough spread to where I would expect it to be. And I'm not sure why. So that's the that's the same circumstance here. I expect the Seahawks to be to be pretty good this year, and I expect the Rams to be really bad. We also just just learned that Cooper Cup is going to be out for at least four weeks on injured reserve with his hamstring injury. Now this hamstring injury uh, does sound very concerning. It sounds like the kind of thing that might linger a lot longer than than we're used to for say a hamstring injury. Um, if you haven't heard, Cooper Cup went to flew to Minnesota from Los Angeles to see a hamstring specialist. I don't even know what that means, but it means that there wasn't somebody in Los Angeles that was able to to effectively help him with this issue, and uh, that's concerning. Literally traveling to get an expert opinion on a hamstring issue uh, is not something I've really heard of before, and. Then after going to see that specialist, then they put him on IR. So it's almost like it was in question before he went to see the specialist. And then they saw the specialist and said, yeah, he's not coming back anytime soon. 
So that's concerning. That's really concerning. Um, it only it only enhances the view that the Rams, who weren't expected to be a good team this year, just lost their best player and uh, can't be a great outlook. It makes me think, you know, the Seahawks have only upgraded. They got two new rookies on the offense, an offense that was already very good in Zach Charbonnet, running back, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver. Two of the top running back receiver uh, players coming coming out of the draft to go along with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Ken Walker. And so I, I do think I'm actually going to bet this one because I don't see any reason why the Rams would keep it close with the Seahawks. It is a division game, so it could, could end up biting me because division games, they do just tend to get weird. But I think I will bet on the Seahawks minus five just because I, I think that they're so much better than the Rams. I, I would feel silly if if I held off just because I thought the line was fishy and then the Seahawks end up winning by 20 points, um, I'd feel a little silly. I'd feel confident enough to say the Seahawks should blow the Rams out, and we'll see. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong, usually about 50% on either side of the coin. But I think I will ride with the Seahawks this weekend. The Broncos are taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. The Broncos are favored by three and a half points. And I think uh, the way I'm looking at this game and what I'm interested to see from this game, I'm going to call it a first impression game for Sean Payton. Now, you know, of course, he's had a a pretty long NFL coaching career, but he took a couple years off to to do broadcasting, to be in media. And so this is really his his homecoming for, for his coaching career. It's his opportunity to reintroduce himself. I think that he's a a very well-prepared guy, a very well-prepared coach. Um, I think he's going to dial up about as good of a a game plan as he can for week one. And it's kind of that, hey, I'm back and and look at how the Broncos look compared to last year. Now that, now that Sean Payton's in, in charge, I think it's, I think it's funny. Um, I don't know if you heard the quote from Sean Payton about Russell Wilson. I'm going to look it up real quick. All right, so here's the the quote from Sean Payton uh, in just in the last week regarding Russell Wilson. He says, "Will you stop fucking kissing babies? You're not running for political office." He said this to the media, um, so not not afraid. I, and Sean Payton is this guy. He's not as much the new school type of coach, care about your feelings type of coach. He's a little more old school, and uh, and it kind of shows right there, right? I think everybody dances around Russell Wilson's corniness and uh, you know, he's a an NFL starting quarterback. Um, he gets paid a lot and just because he's corny, you know, people don't necessarily want to call him out on it publicly, but I think it's interesting. Sean Payton, he really is bringing in a new, a new kind of attitude to this team. And I don't know if it works or not, but the funny thing when he's really think about it, it's, Hey, what they did last last year didn't work in a spectacular way. So I don't know if Sean Payton telling Russell Wilson to stop kissing babies because he's not running for political office. I don't know if that helps or hurts Russell Wilson's psyche, but I do think there's a chance that it's kind of like a grow up moment where Russell Wilson says, "All right, I'm gonna cut the cut the BS and." 
and all right, coach, you want to see, you want to see me show you, not tell you, and you want to see it on the field. All right, let's go. I think there's a chance of that, but ultimately Sean Payton's the kind of guy, if, if Russell Wilson can't hang, if he's, if he's not up to the task and if he can't take a little bit of tough love, Sean Payton will go to the next guy. And actually Jared Stidham, who they're back, who's their backup quarterback. He's actually probably good enough to start for an NFL team. So I don't think it's in such a tight spot where Sean Payton needs to kiss Russell Wilson's butt, like just to to get him to play and play play his hardest. I think that this this approach might actually might actually kind of work. You know, we'll see. Either way, I don't think Sean Payton really cares if Russell Wilson's feelings get hurt by something like that. And at the end of the day, he's he's not really saying anything that's against his character. He's he's just saying, hey, cut out the the BS, like. But, you know, let's focus on football. Let's not focus on your public image or anything like that. So I'll be interested to see what happens in in the first few weeks of of this new coaching regime and, and with Russell Wilson. I think there's a decent chance that Russell Wilson turns it around a bit. But if not, I'm pretty sure Sean Payton has a backup plan. Sean Payton's there to be successful for himself and for the Denver Broncos who are paying him. He's not there to to boost up Russell Wilson if if Russell Wilson can't deliver results on his end. So I think with this being Sean Payton's quote unquote first impression game, I think I like the the Broncos minus three and a half quite a bit against the Raiders. Um, and I'll be interested to see if if I'm correct. I, I think Sean Payton's going to bring an excellent game plan. The Raiders are seemingly kind of a mess and. Uh, and hoping that Russell Wilson, you know, can find a little bit of, of what he used to have with the Seahawks, um, just enough to make them a fun team to watch. Because honestly, it was it was so miserable watching the Broncos last year. It'd be nice to have them be a relevant player uh, this year. All right, Ravens Texans. Uh, this is probably right up there with the Saints Titans as a, a game that I don't necessarily feel the need to watch. Um, I will be interested. There's a lot of talk about the new offensive coordinator for the Ravens, Todd Munkin, and you know he's supposed to be dialing up a lot more of a passing game. But it'll also be interesting. You know, Mark Andrews may or may not play. I'm not quite sure, but he has been their their top pass catching target. So it'll be interesting if if Mark Andrews isn't playing and if the if the Ravens are trying to throw it quite a bit more. Uh, it, will we see something similar to what we saw with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, where in theory um, this offense should work, guys are getting open, but you know we're really down to one semi-reliable pass-catching target when our our star tight end is out. Now Isaiah Likely is the backup tight end for Mark Andrews. If Mark Andrews isn't playing, Isaiah Likely is is actually a very viable fantasy football tight end. So if you're in a tight spot this week, um, in one way or another, where you need a, a one-week starter at tight end and Mark Andrews isn't playing, if you're able to get Isaiah Likely, I mean, Isaiah Likely may even emerge as a as a guy this year. We'll see. But he has all the talent to do it. And so um, that'll be interesting to watch as well. But ultimately, this game is is a 10-point spread. The Texans have their rookie rookie quarterback. If you're lucky enough to have the Ravens defense, then that's exciting. It'll be good to see what they do against a bottom of the league 
offense and a rookie quarterback in his first start, they should be able to take advantage. So we'll see if that happens. And that brings us to Sunday night football. So uh, the the nightcap for the Sunday slate, uh, we have the Giants versus the Cowboys. The Giants are three and a half point underdogs. The line opened at two. So that means that the public bet enough on the Cowboys to drive that line up to the Cowboys now being favored by three and a half points. So usually when I look at when I look at that, the first thing I, I think is, well, I, I'm pretty sure Vegas knows a little bit more than the, the general public most of the time. Now there could be injuries or, or something like that that makes a meaningful change in the line. The only thing is I know Darren Waller is questionable for this upcoming game. So Darren Waller was only added to the injury report as questionable on Friday. So it is a something that just kind of popped up. We're not 100% sure if he'll play or not. Um, but that said, I think that the reason the reason I like the Giants and while why I'll be betting on the Giants and it's it's more more to do with the coaching, the continuity and and just uh, my belief in Brian Dable, I think that the Giants may very well end up being a better team this year than the Cowboys. And I think that they come out week one with a better game plan, and they show that they're the better team week one. People will call it a fluke, and that's fine. But honestly, I think that I like the Giants to come out ahead of the Cowboys in the division this year. And it's mostly coming down to to the coaching. And when I say coaching with Brian Dable, it's kind of it's the it's the whole package. It's not you might think play calling or or this aspect or that aspect. What I think about is so there's the element of of bringing up a quarterback. So Brian Dable showed an elite ability to bring up a quarterback with Josh Allen who has made this incredible transformation from rookie year to present day. And I attribute most of that knowledge that he gained and that ability to process defenses and uh, even, even to some extent uh, his accuracy in throwing the ball and consistency to Brian Dable. But especially when it comes to decision-making, there's also the element of just sound decision-making across the board for the, the entire team. So you see like the, the Cowboys, there's easy examples to point to where they, they blow big games when uh, they make a, a kind of a boneheaded decision or, or mistake late in a game. Um, couple, couple examples come to mind. I won't, I won't pile on the Cowboys, but I don't, I don't see that from many Brian Dable coached teams. And so I expect that uh, that that won't be as much an issue for them as it would be the Cowboys. And then the last element that I really look at is just coming in with a better plan than the other team. Um, I think in a year or two from now, we might be talking about Brian Dable similar, similarly to, say, a Mike Tomlin or a John Harbaugh, where we just kind of can set our watch to their team having certain characteristics that lead to success. So Mike Tomlin, you know, constantly gets the most out of his, 
out of his players, out of the talent that they have. And they're rarely unprepared, rarely make mistakes. That's kind of the way I see Brian Dable. John Harbaugh has a kind of a similar, similar type of aura about him where it's a little more about they're always going to have a, a ferocious defense and they're always going to play sound football and typically run the ball, although they're, they're trying to evolve into more of a pass, passing offense this year. But you just see these similar characteristics from these these teams and these coaches. I think Brian Dayball is right now in early stages of becoming a guy who we look at and say, okay, well, we know for sure it's a Brian Dayball coach team. They're not gonna they're not gonna have many penalties. They're not gonna have you know these types of mistakes. I may be wrong about that. We'll see. That's what I'm looking for, and that's what I expect to happen. So I'm taking taking the Giants and. And yeah, I just decided it's it's going to be the money line. I think the Giants are going to win this game, and uh, that's where I'll be putting my money. And on Monday Night Football, we have the the New York Jets at home against the Buffalo Bills. Jets are home dogs, uh, two and a half point uh, underdogs against the Bills. And uh, where I stand on this game, <laughs> what I'll be looking for is. I expect that the Jets are going to win this game outright. Um, I will be betting on them money line to to beat the Bills. Honestly, I'll be looking to confirm some bias a little bit. I I do expect the Bills to not have as good a year as as people expect. Part of that is my bias towards Brian Dayball and thinking, you know, maybe a a couple years removed from Brian Dayball. Um, maybe Josh Allen does make a, an extra mistake or two here and there. Maybe the new offensive coordinator uh, really doesn't doesn't have it, and uh, maybe that leads to the the Bills being more predictable, and maybe that that gives other teams enough of an edge to mitigate all the things that that Josh Allen does. I'm not sure. Maybe the the turmoil between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, which I'm not privy to everything, but it, it sounds just a little weird, and it sounds like it's persisted a bit where Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen are just not getting along. I just think that there are enough questions, and we're we're penciling in the Bills as this elite team. Well, are, are they are they really? Uh, Josh Allen's clearly awesome. I like Josh Allen a lot, and I want I want for him to do well, but I I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think we're being as critical on the Bills as, as we could be, and and uh, I'd like to see if if that's somewhat confirmed in the first look, or you know maybe I'm totally wrong. That's totally possible, but I'm always looking for for angles when I'm analyzing the NFL uh, areas where other people are taking for granted the fact that the Bills are just this great team. And I'm I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, there there are a couple things that make me believe maybe they're not this shoe in top two in the conference type of team. So I, I think that the Jets, on the other hand, riding all this momentum and all this enthusiasm, kind of really the honeymoon stage with Rogers. And that's not to say the honeymoon stage won't last for a very long time, maybe even two years, and and then until he retires. Um, but regardless, there's nothing but love all around in, in New York for, for the team and everything. And they, they look good through 
hard knocks. I may be buying the the hard knocks hype and and maybe that's my fault, but but here I am buying it and uh I'll be putting my money on the Jets this week. I'll be interested to see what the split looks like between Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall. It'll be interesting to see if Brees Hall looks like he's back to full health or if they're going to ease him in slowly over the course of the, the first few weeks. I'll be interested to see what Garrett Wilson does, what Aaron Rodgers does. There's all kinds of fantasy impl- implications you're definitely starting Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. Uh, you may very well be starting James Cook. I don't think that's a bad play. Um, depending on your league and your circumstance, uh, you may be starting either Dalvin Cook or Brees Hall. I think both are potential option, although if you have an option to pivot, I'd probably rather see how it shakes out for those two in week one. You're definitely starting Garrett Wilson. You may, you may choose to start Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think that's a terrible play, although there's a, a good chance that you have somebody you like a little bit better because Aaron Rodgers was t- taken around that 15th, 16th quarterback off the board. I'll be interested to see what the Jets' defense does. The Jets' defense is so hyped this year. Their front seven should be phenomenal. I'd be interested to see a team like the Bills, who are known for having that offensive firepower, if Sauce Gardner can hold down Stephon Diggs, if the Jets' front seven can get to Josh Allen. Another thing I heard that I thought was interesting, Josh Allen faces pressure, and he does pretty well against pressure, but also Josh Allen's fast. He's he's a, a freak when it comes to running the ball as well. So oftentimes when Josh Allen feels pressure, he can avoid the first rusher and make something positive of it because he's fast, he can get away, and then he can get downfield or he can find time and throw the ball. But with this Jets front seven, what I thought was interesting is they are so fast that if he avoids one guy, there's another guy who's just as fast as he is chasing him down. It's a little different than a typical front seven where you might have one game-wrecking pass rusher who gets through but Josh Allen avoids that guy, and then he's able to run run around the rest of the guys. Sounds to me, and this is of course from what I'm hearing, but sounds to me like it won't be quite that simple for Josh Allen this week. Sounds like he avoids the first guy, and there's five or six other guys that are very fast, ready to chase him down. I'd be interested to see what that looks like this week. And ultimately, I'm taking the Jets' money line over the Bills. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Looking forward to the first Sunday slate of NFL football, seven hours of commercial-free. Football starts now or in about 12 or so hours. Um, I'm going to get out of here. Can't wait to talk about it on the other end. See you guys next time, and have a good Sunday. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let the Boys Watch Football. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, and tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram at ltbwfootball, all one word, to stay engaged throughout the week. Have a great week, and see you next time.